Good morning. He makes me sound good, don't he? <laughs> Come back, Phil. No. <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, it's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. Um, I'm excited and eager to bring you this word this morning. Uh, thankful to Steve, thankful to Phil to be under their leadership. Learn a lot from these guys, and I'm, I'm grateful to be here. Um, that, that said, I know that we are truly blessed, but in the same breath, I look around and I realize and I, I'm very cognizant of the fact that many of you this morning are going through some of the hardest times of your lives. There's pain in this room. There's hurt in this room. And I know some of you this morning have been led here by crisis. Crisis has driven you to God's house this morning. For some reason, God has driven you here in crisis. You know, we're most of the time open to the things of God when we're going through pain. I'm not going to come up here and sugarcoat anything for you. The truth is the world can be a very rough place. I'm not going to shield you from that fact this morning. Each day I'm reminded when I drop my, my kids off to school, my sons, they're sitting back there. One of them just started kindergarten, and I've had them in this church as much as I could. I prayed over them. We pray together. I talk to them. I'm not a perfect example, but I sure do try. And I put that backpack on them that's almost bigger than him, and I send him on into school, <laughs> and he's amongst the world. And I can only imagine the trials and the heartache and the pain that he's going to face, and he just goes in there with a smile. <laughs> but the truth is, the world is, is a tough place, and I want to be like Paul. You know, we've been in Acts like for a really long time, as, as they've all alluded to. But it's critical that we look at Paul because he was such an example for us and such a great leader. So I want to consider him this morning um, somebody who was really all in for the gospel of Jesus. He was all in, man. I want to consider his life, ministry, and death of this great leader. He was sought after to kill, beaten, imprisoned, everything, starved to death, flogged, ran from here, ran from there. But somehow he held strong to the faith. He was all in, 100% committed to the will of God for his life. So I want to look at that. If you'll turn with me to chapter 27, we got a lot of scripture to read today. Um, it's, it's really like a narrative tale, though. It really suits well all together. So this journey that Paul is on right now, he's a prisoner, and he is, it's about 59 AD. He's a prisoner, and um, basically he's headed to Rome. They're, he's on a board a ship with 275 other individuals who are also prisoners, and they're headed to Rome. Paul has been imprisoned for his faith, for preaching the gospel, and because he was a Roman citizen, he had the right to appeal to Caesar. So now he is headed to Rome, and he is on this ship. So if you'll look with me as we start on this journey with Paul in verse 1 it says this the word of the Lord says this this morning. It says, And when it was decided, that we should sail for Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius. And embarking in a ship of Adramidium, Adramidium's a town, um, which was about to sail to the ports along the coast of Asia, we put to sea, accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica. The next day we put in at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him leave to go, go with his friends and be cared for. So Paul is aboard this ship, um, and they have Aristarchus, this Macedonian, and then you see this other character in this tale, Julius, who is the centurion. Um, a centurion was a soldier in the Roman army. He was responsible for about 100 people. He was of high standard in the Roman army. And, and basically, they're headed to Rome, 
And if you'll skip down with me to verse 9. And it says, Since much time had passed, and the voyage was now dangerous, because even the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of the cargo in the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and owner of the ship than what Paul said. And because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter in, the majority decided to put out to sea from there. So Paul, he's telling them at this time, he's saying, hey, this ain't the time to be sailing. The fast is over. This is not the time we should be embarking on this journey. And he's warning them and he's telling them, hey, we should not sail right now. But instead of listening to the man of God, which is Paul, they decided to go with the majority rule and they decided to go with the experience and they decided to set sail anyways. Skip down with me to verse 14. It says, but soon... A tempestuous wind. That means very stormy. <laughs> tempestuous, you just imagine the worst storm you can imagine with giant 20-foot waves beat about, wind blowing tempestuous. Very stormy. So this very stormy wind called the Northeaster struck down from the land. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. Running under the lee of a small island called Cauda, we managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat. After hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. Then fearing that they would run aground on Sirtis, Sirtis is quicksand. So they're, they're, they're trying to secure this ship. They're worried about running aground on this quicksand. And it says that they lowered the gear, thus were driven along. It says in verse 18, Since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. And on the third day, they threw out the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. And when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest lay amongst them, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. Picture it. Here they are. This terrible storm has came. The boat's just getting violently stern, and they're trying to secure this old boat. You know, the winds are big. It's completely dark. There's 275 people in the bottom of this ship, and the, the winds have shaken the boat. Everyone's scared. They're trying to avoid quicksand. They're trying to secure the boat, and ultimately they get it secured, but they have no control of the boat. They're literally in the middle of pitch black darkness in the sea, in this Mediterranean Sea, getting wave tossed by the winds, and they can't even see where they're going. And it tells us at this point, all hope of being saved is immediately lost. All hope's lost. There's no hope in this... Everybody's quiet, don't you imagine? They're all in the middle of this ship and it's just beaten. And there's no hope at this point. And now we see Paul's leadership on full display. Look what he says in verse 21. It says, Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Man, you should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you but only of the ship. For this very night stood before me an angel of, the, of God that I serve, who I belong and who I worship. And he said, do not be afraid. Paul, you must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, man, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. But we must run aground on some island. 
So I love that. I love in the middle of this darkness where there's no hope, all hope's lost, and nobody wants to hear from Paul. I'm sure nobody wanted to hear Paul say anything because all hope was gone. He stands up and he tells them, he said, the God who I worship and the God who I serve says we're going to be all right. I love that, that he stands up and he tells them that. And not only that, he's encouraging them, hey, there's going to be no loss. We're going to crash the ship, but we're all going to be all right. And I have full faith that it's going to be just how my God told me it was going to be. Skip down to verse 33. And it says, As day was about to dawn, Paul urged them to take some food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day that you have continued in suspense and without food, having taken nothing. Therefore I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength. For not a hair is to perish the head of any of you. And we had said these things, he took bread, and giving thanks to God in the presence of all, broke it and began to eat. Then they were encouraged and took some food for themselves. We were in all 276 persons in the ship. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing out the weed into the sea. Now when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a beach. Okay, so picture that. Don't you? I love Paul's encouragement as he's like, hey, y'all need to eat. <laughs> not a hair is going to be bad on your head. I know it looks bad right now. Y'all go on ahead and eat. My God told me it was going to be all right. And he's just constantly, constantly encouraging them in the darkest days of their lives. When nobody else wants to hear it, this man's preaching the gospel in the middle of the sea, when it doesn't look like things are going to go the right way, when it doesn't look like things are going to go the way they want it to go. That's when he's preaching and he's encouraging them. And finally, after 14 days, they haven't eaten. It's completely dark. It says there's no sun, there's no stars. They see a bay. They see a bay with a beach. And if you'll look with me, let's keep reading. It says, on which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. Verse 40. So they want to run the ship onto it. They want to run it up there and be all right. Verse 40. So this is what they do. So they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea. At the same time, loosening the ropes, they tied the rudders, then hoisting the foresail to the wind, they made for the beach. But striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. The bow struck and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken up by the surf. The soldiers made a plan, and the plan was to kill the prisoners, lest they should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for the land. And then the rest on the planks are pieces of the ship so that they were brought safely to land. So picture that. It's been 14 days. Nobody's eaten. Paul has encouraged them to eat. And they're in the middle of the sea, in the Mediterranean Sea. No light, no sun, no stars. They don't know where they are. They're completely at the mercy of God as the ship is just bouncing through the waves. And then they see... This, this bay with a beach, they say, hey, we're going to run the boat up on there. We're going to be all right. And they start headed for it, and they hit a reef. And the whole ship is destroyed. And immediately, the pris- they want to kill the prisoners. That's some savagery there. Let's just, just kill them. Let's just kill them so they can't escape. But no, Julius steps in, and he says, hey, we're not going to do that. If you can swim, jump off. If you can't swim, grab a piece of the boat and swim to shore. And just like God said, all of them made it to shore safely all of them made it to shore safely so now we're going to pick up where did they land look with me in chapter 28 verse 1 it says after we were brought safely through we then learned that the island was called malta 
The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us because it had begun to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on fire, a viper came out of the, the heat and fastened onto his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man must be a murderer. Though he, he escaped from the sea, justice has, has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when none of that happened and, and they had waited a long time, they saw no misfortune come to him. They changed their minds and thought he was God. Once again, the favor of God is just all throughout the whole entire story. He just, bitten by a snake, he just shrugs it right off. And the next thing you know, he's elevated in the society of these people. Verse 7. It says, Now, in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery, and dysentery, and Paul visited him and prayed, and putting his hands on him, he healed him. He had this high fever and this terrible disease, and basically Paul has healed him. And when this had happened, everyone else started bringing him other people that needed to be healed, and, and then Paul healed them, and then they were honored greatly. And anything that they needed when they were about to sail, that was put on board, whatever they needed. What a story. What a story. Paul is in, in this ship. Think about his life. He's in this ship he didn't want to be on. He didn't choose to be on the ship. He told them we shouldn't sail right now, and he's literally just getting drawn about by the sea. The ship crashes, and it's destroyed. He lands on Malta. He's starting to gather firewood, and he's snake bit, shakes the viper off, and then he begins to heal people. There's no way that this story could take place if you didn't realize the main point of the whole thing, and that's God's presence is going to be with those who are fully committed to him. When you're fully committed to God, he's going to protect you. He's sovereign. He's going to work things out for you. I mean, think about it. After two pitch black weeks in the middle of the darkness, a storm lost in the middle of the sea, a shipwreck, 276 individuals reach the shores. Some of them reach by swimming and other of them reach just by hanging on to that piece of a ship. And as I look at you this morning, some of y'all made it here this morning, but y'all are barely hanging on to that ship. Life has pulled you down. You're here this morning, but you barely made it in. But your presence, just like God's hand, as it was guiding these people and guiding this ship and guiding favor from Julius's favor to Paul, to the snake not hurting Paul, to the favor that Publius showed Paul, God's hand was sovereign in it all. And I'm telling you, friend, this morning, your presence is proof that God is working in your life as well. I mean, think about it. Some of you this morning are clinging to that broken ship. I know you're beat down, but man, you made it. I mean, we faced unprecedented years of a pandemic, politics, protests, financial stress, family issues, racism, deaths in our family, kids going astray, failed marriages, natural disaster. The world is a rough place. But you made it this morning. And maybe you're coming in this morning like clinging to that ship and you're hoping like those people were hoping when they land on, on Malta that someone's going to receive them with grace, someone's going to receive them with mercy. And I'm telling you, Jesus is holding out his hand and he's telling you, you're in the right place this morning. He's here this morning with you and I want to encourage you today 
As some of you are facing some really hard things. I know that because I know your stories. I know some of the things that I do know, and they're terrible. Some of the other things that I don't know that you're going through are also terrible. And if that's you this morning, and you're clinging to that piece of ship, and you're just trying to make it on that little piece of the boat, just barely hanging on, I want to encourage you this morning to look at Paul. How did he make it? Paul had this unwailing ability that we see in Paul's ability to trust God in all circumstances. He did not let his circumstances dictate his God. He trusted them no matter what. On board this ship that he didn't want to be on, on board, he didn't look at the ship and say, why do I got to be on the ship? Why do I got to be a prisoner? Why do I got to do this? Why do I got to do that? No, no. He preached on the ship with the, when all hope was lost. He encouraged people. He said, y'all need to eat. He was gathering firewood the whole time amongst the storms. He was amongst them because he trusted God in all circumstances. He trusted God in all circumstances. And I cannot overemphasize the fact this morning, Christians, listen to me. I cannot overemphasize the confidence that we must develop in our faith in God that no matter how difficult things get for us, he's going to remain with us. Too many Christians, Christianity is not spreading like it should because too many Christians have gotten to a point in their faith where a storm has came and they never got past it. The storm came up on them and they said, I'm not going to go to church anymore. I'm not going to trust God anymore. And they have allowed themselves to be pulled away from God. You think that your problem is so terrible and that you're going through something that's uncommon to another man, but the Bible tells us different. It tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no testing has overtaken you that is not common to everyone, but God is faithful. And he will not let you be tested beyond your strength. But with the testing, he will also provide the way so you can endure it. And if, if, if God hasn't put more on some of you people than you can handle, I'm telling you that you have some serious strength. Because I know what you're going through. And it's hard and it's tough. And I'm telling you, we have to be like Paul and we have to cling to what God said. Look at Paul's example. What did Paul have to hold on to when there was no hope, when the boat was shaken and everybody was dead quiet, everybody was hungry, it was pitch black outside? What did he have to cling to that allowed him to keep going? He clinged to what God told him. He clinged to what God told him. You know, many of us, we're spiritually stuck because we're not doing that. We're seeking advice from everybody else. We want to go to our friend when we have a spat in our marriage and see it, get them to agree with us. We want to go to a psychologist. We want to go to WebMD when we get a doctor. We think we all doctors now. Instead of going to what God said, what, did Paul, what was Paul told by God? What did God tell him? He said, nobody's going to die, and you're going to go and testify about me in Rome. That's what he told him. That's the promise that he made to him. And guess what? Exactly what he said came to fruition. How many people know that Paul would have much rather just flew, went straight there with no storm? No snake bite, no worries, but that isn't how he did it. And the whole time that, that he was moving about, people were getting drawn to him. People were getting saved because that was God's plan for Paul. We, I have nothing else. I love what Phil said. This is all I got. If I can't cling to this, I can't cling to anything else. I can't cling to politics. I can't cling to anything else. My hope is found here. So just like Paul this morning, I want to encourage you in the same manner that we have to cling to what God tells us about our lives. And there's scriptures where he's very clear about how he's navigating our lives. One of those being Romans 9, 28. We have a God, and he says this to us. He says, we know that all things work to those, work to the good for those who have been called 
according to his purpose. What? All things. Everybody say all things. Everything. There's purpose in your pain this morning. And not only is there purpose in it, all things are working to the good. But listen to what else he told us, Jeremiah 29, 11. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, but plans to give you hope and a future. He's got plans for you. And not only are these plans good plans, he's also telling us in Deuteronomy 31.8, he tells us, it is the Lord who goes before you. He said, he will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not, be, do not fear or be dismayed. Forsake in that context means he isn't going to forget you. He knows your name this morning. You think that you're insignificant or that you just wandered here this morning by chance, but God is ordaining your life and guiding you to himself. And he's promised you to be with you. He's promised you to give you plans for a future and hope. He said, I'm going to go before you. I'm going to be with you. I'm never going to forget you. And I love you so much that I died for you. And if I don't have that, I don't have anything else to cling to this morning. That's what we're clinging to this morning. That's where our hope is found this morning. All of that boils down to he's not going to leave you in the storm. You can trust him. I don't know what you're trusting in right now, but I'm telling you this morning, you can trust him. He's not going to leave you in the storm because he's made promises to us. And a God who, he doesn't break promises. He cannot lie. He's going to be with us. He's not going to leave us. We can trust him. And what else did he say? When you do trust him, what does he tell us? James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has what? Promised. He has promised to those who love him. I'm telling you, you're going to have trials in this life. You're going to have hardships. You're going to have pain. It's not going to always go your way. But I'm telling you, if you can stand fast, rooted on the things that God has told you, there's a crown of life waiting for you. This is not our home. This is not where we're supposed to to be. So that really boils down to to the overwhelming question of the day is, do you trust him? Do you trust him? And as the worship team comes up, I'm going to ask you that. Do you trust him this morning? Storms are going to come. I'm telling you that now, friend. I tell my kids that too. It ain't all smiles walking into kindergarten, buddy. You don't even know what you're getting signed up for. Storms are going to come, but the worst storms cannot hide from the face of God. God said, what? That ship's going to make it to Rome. Nobody's going to be hurt. What happened? Made it to Rome. Nobody was hurt. God told you, I have plans for you, prosper you, not to harm you, and that's exactly what's going to happen when you commit to the things of God. There's no storm. There's no shipwreck that's going to prevent you from arriving where God has called you to be. You can trust him this morning. Jesus could see Paul in the pitch black of the Mediterranean Sea. And some of you are sitting in this room and you're looking at me and you think Jesus doesn't see you. He knows the pain that you're going through. He came down and he felt that same pain. He lived here. He knows what it feels like. And I want to let you know more than anything, friend, you have value this morning. Regardless of the circumstances in your life, God's looking for people who are willing to preach his gospel in the middle of the storm. People who are willing to go all in and encourage others to do the same. There's people in your life that need you to be Paul. And I want you to ask yourself that this week, who around you needs you to be Paul this week? 
to stand up and to encourage them knowing that they're going through pain, to lean back on the things of God and preach the things of God and say, this is what he said and this is what I have to go off of no matter what. Somebody in your life needs you to be Paul this week. Commit your life to him. Encourage others. Show them how much you love God. Show them who God is. And I'm challenging you this week to go and be the change that the world needs to see. Let us pray. Lord, I'm just, I'm in awe that I even get to be up here and speak for you, Lord. But I know there's pain in this room. There's people who don't know you, who never knew you. There's people who backslid away from you, dear God. Call them back home. It doesn't matter what they did, you paid for that. There's people around us who are hurt, God. They've turned you out because they don't want to talk to you anymore because it didn't work out how they thought. But Lord, you have a plan. You promised that your plan was best, and we trust that this morning. Speak to somebody's heart this morning who needs to hear from you, who really needs to hear from you, who is in the darkest of their days. Clinging to that ship, dear God, welcome them with open arms. Give them your presence, God. Help them to have a touch from you this morning. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.